I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the pregame with Jubilee. Hello, you have reached the pregame on Thump. This is Jubilee. Today, I have the one and only Star Eyes in the building. Star Eyes is not only one of my best friends, but has been DJing forever in many scenes, has been through it all with all her record labels and journalism, and just really has a lot of knowledge on dance music, as well as partying. One of my favorites, we will talk about her writing, and we will talk about growing up in L.A., And we will talk about her new label and her former label, Trouble and Bass. And then she will play a mix of some of her originals, some things on her label, and some pretty fire dance tunes. Let's do this. Yeah, he got bands in the band. Missy got dudes in Orlando. Got 
buying me bags and new shoes and new clothes and everything I know that he's paying for. Yeah, baby, you give me up. Uh, yeah, baby, you give me up. Watch what I do when I get up on you, puppy. Catch you all up in the zipper.
are listening to the pregame, and this is Jubilee. We are here every other week on Thump, recording at Red Bull Studios in New York. Today, I have my best friend and my, one of my favorite DJs, DJ Star Eyes. Hello, Jubilee. <laughs> Hello, Star Eyes. Formerly known as Brooklyn's bass sweetheart. <laughs> formerly known as the dark princess of bass. <laughs> are you formerly? You still? No, are. I still am. Yeah. But now I can take Brooklyn bass sweetheart too, since you don't live in Brooklyn right. anymore. Yeah, you can keep it. I can be the queen of sweet sweetheart bass. heavy bass darkness. <laughs> uh, we we were talking before we started recording. That we pretty much talk about everything all the time, all day. So we don't know what we're going to talk about, and that's fine. Um, you just got back from Tulum. I did. It was lovely. Yeah. Awesome. Jess, you would have loved it. There were many animals there. <laughs> a pelican flipped me off. That was the funniest. There was a pelican rave. I made a dog meme that didn't go over so hot. Had to delete it before my family saw it. Uh, there was lots of dank iguanas. It was definitely right up your alley. Did you drink a lot of mezcal? I drank so much mezcal, and I ate tacos every single day, sometimes twice. Sounds perfect. And uh, definitely wasn't any sort of health diet vacation, but it was great. What? Um, which pyramids did you go to? I went to Chichen Itza pyramids, and I went to the Tulum ruins, and those were both great in their own way, although... The Tulum ruins were extremely crowded. Mm. Yeah. I bought a wild blanket with a Mayan warrior picking up a damsel on it. <laughs> so, you Like know, the big towels? Not even a big towel, like a giant queen-sized bed. Down. Blanket, so. Down for that one. I used to, my parents used to, my mom, like, when I was younger, had <laughs> this, like, spiritual awakening where she thought she was possibly Mayan. And sorry, mom, if you're listening, but you did. And because we were in Florida, we used to go to Chichen Itza and Tulum like all the time. It was a quick flight, and I just remember my mom like giving me the lowdown on pretty much everything there, and thinking she was Mexican for a little while. That's interesting. I wonder if that's another reason why we get along so well. Because my mom, my mom didn't really have a spiritual awakening, but she was always dabbling. Like when I was growing up, in we crystal, we were always like doing kind of metaphysical and psychic stuff. Like yeah. one time, she read about these magnets that were supposed to kind of repolarize your chi or something. So we were like sleeping with magnets taped to our forehead, and oh we had God. like you know now it's crazy that everybody drinks kombucha because we had the kombucha mushroom that you had to get from somebody and you grow it in your kitchen and like you just have to keep making the bowl bigger because the kombucha mushroom is like taking over your whole kitchen <laughs> well we've lived in a kitchen like that before <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah so there was a lot of uh we had a roommate that is a very well-known dj that will remain nameless that used to make kombucha in our kitchen <laughs> mushrooms under the cabinets that was like when i first moved in We've had several several funny DJ roommates in our time. I have, anyway. I just remember my mom always having to go to the Crystal store. And, like, it was, like, a regular stop. <laughs> it's, like, the, the Publix, the Crystal <laughs> store. What yeah, else? Florida stores. Where else do you go if you live in Florida? The health food store after the Crystal store, which I'm sure they were either right next to each other or in my brain. I'm just, like, putting them right next to each other. But those were like very regular stops. And they were like, she was like really into meditation. 
And I thought it was hilarious because when someone's just going, oh, for like a minute and you're eight, you're like cracking up, you know? See, it just goes to show that our moms were ahead of the curve. Yeah, totally ahead of the curve. I think about this stuff all the time because I'm always like, uh, my mom used to buy rose quartz. And like, I remember my sister had the hiccups and this lady like put the quartz like on her neck and it stopped. And then my sister was like this big believer. <laughs> Except she was really just scared. Yeah, we were really just terrified. I was really into Tiger Eye, probably because it was called Tiger Eye. And um, what was what's like the black hematite? That's supposed to be like a healing one. But I just wear all black. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, and then your mom sends you gothic. <laughs> yeah, my mom sends me a lot of strange presents, some of which are totally on the mark and some of which are so far off the mark. It's it's crazy. It's hard to believe they come from the same person. Did she send you the bunch of wigs or did you just try them on at home? No, she sent me like 10 wigs. <laughs> and I was in Croatia and she didn't know, even though I told her like three times that I was going to Croatia. And then she just texted me like, hey, do you want all these wigs? <laughs> Not like, how's Croatia? Are you safe? Are you good? Just, do you want wigs? <laughs> yeah, of course I want wigs. You wonder where I get it from. Yeah. Speaking of, there there was also a box of costumes, which is still there. And um, we haven't lived together in a while, but we do spend a lot of time together. But you're from L.A., I am from L.A. Lots of people don't know that because apparently I don't seem like an L.A. type of person. You know what, though? The more L.A. people I meet that grew up in L.A., the more you are so L.A. Yeah, there's a different... People don't realize that people who grew up in L.A. are extremely different than people who moved to L.A. Yeah. Kind of like New York. Kind yeah. Kind of like native New Yorkers are, are way different than people who've moved here. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the three L.A native people that I know are so much alike. And Jen Lyon is one of them. And like you and her are very similar in certain ways. And I would never expect Jen to be from LA either until she told me. And I forget, I just met somebody recently who like grew up there and I was like, oh, this person and Vivian would get along really well. So you are very LA to me. And then you grew up there. And when did you go to SF? Uh, let's see. I went to SF for college, so I went there when I was 17 um, to UC Berkeley, and then I stayed there for nine years, and then I came to New York. Yeah. So I left LA in the mid-90s, and I've, well, I've been back a lot of times, but I've never lived there again. Actually, I left there being like, I never want to live here again, and now... <laughs> now we always think about it, but it never <laughs> happens. Yeah, don't say never too many times or it's like a reverse. <laughs> it's like you make it reverse happen. Reverse charm. You also, um, you know, we know, everybody knows that you did Trouble and Bass. You were a drum and bass DJ before that. That's where I knew you from. Then you moved on your own label that was really had its crazy time and it is no more. And you just started your own label called Chaos Clan, which you've had your own releases as well as Jeep. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Jeep. And I'm looking into some new um, people for 2017, but I'm not at liberty to say until they agree to it or send me the tracks they're supposed to send me. <laughs> or label them right, because you uh, might even have them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I have a label called Chaos Clan. It's not anywhere near the size that Trouble and Bass was. That was a pretty much a full-time operation with a label manager and stuff like this. This is more like an outlet for um, my music and other stuff 
that I like, um, but I'm just trying to not grow too big too quickly because um, I really want to keep it musically speaking. I really want to keep it like what I like. I found that when we were running Trouble and Bass at a certain point, we had locked ourselves into a release schedule where we had a release every week or every other week or like at the very least once a month. And it became kind of this like punishing schedule after a while where you never had time enough to promote a release and then also you were just kind of accepting things that maybe weren't that maybe were a little bit half-baked sometimes at least the b-side and c-side were yeah because you needed to get things out and you were on the schedule and you you had committed to that and um that was one of the only things that i didn't really like and i felt like there was too much of that in dance music um you know, this whole like the whole EDM thing or like dance music blowing up again happens so fast and like everything moves so fast. Like sometimes you don't get a a chance to stop and think and really decide what you want to do. It's almost like things are just happening to you and you're reacting to all the changes. Like you're reacting to what SoundCloud's doing and then what how people are selling digital music and what's going on with the vinyl pressing thing. And you're just like in this reactionary mode. So part of the idea of Chaos Clan is to just not be like that and to just be like, this is what's fun. This is what I like. Um, and I work with a graphic designer by the name of Low Limit, who's also a DJ in LA and used to be part of Laser Sword, who were definitely Hello, Low Limit. <laughs> ahead of their time, musically speaking. Um, they were like in that movement sometimes called laser crunk um but anyway uh bryant low limit is really really rad and it's been like probably one of the most gratifying things to actually and you've known him for a long time it's like going back to basics kind of yeah bryant worked with me when i worked at accelerator magazine um and the accelerator magazine family we've just been following each other around yeah. Uh, since we all left there, I mean, Sean Ronaldo and Ethan work with me at Red Bull Music Academy. And, um, and you know, Bryant's the graphic designer. And uh, we all kind of... So good. I love family. that, though, because it's like all of the warriors that stayed in the dance music scene that were kind of there from day one. Yeah, people don't really understand nowadays, like... I mean, if you're just getting into it, you don't see how, like, if you've been in dance music for 20 years, like, it used to be so much smaller, especially in the U.S. So, like, I know a lot of people that are techno DJs or, I don't know, dubstep DJs or, like, all kinds of genre, deep house DJs. And, like, people are always like, what are you doing here? Because you're the bass music person. So, like, how do you know... I don't know, silent servant or like, like bitch, I've been here. This person or whatever. I'm like, oh, like, but we all grew up together. Yeah. You know? I mean, I knew I've known 12th Planet and Flinch since I was 17 or 18. I've known silent servants since I was, I don't know, 15, 14. I did not maybe. know that. Me and Monty Luke, who uh, who was running Carl Craig's label for a while and he's involved with Mothership and he's been on Dirty Bird and some other things. Uh, he we used to argue when I was young because I thought all 4-4 four, four music sucked and only <laughs> break, only breakbeat music was good and that breakbeat music was like more interesting and more complicated and more evolved than 4-4 four, four. and we used to argue about that and we also used to argue about Ghetto House because he thought Ghetto House was offensive and <laughs> I love DJ Funk and Dion and everything and I was like well I'm a woman and I'm not offended that they're talking about like 
you know, pussy and <laughs> hose and all this stuff. So, yeah, it was pretty funny back then. I'm, I'm really lucky, actually, that I had people older than me in the scene to kind of, like, converse with me and educate me and, like, show me the ropes, whether it came to, like, music or drugs or partying. I feel very grateful for that, too, that I did have, like, older mostly men to show me records and not be jerks to me and really like kind of show me the right way to DJ and I am very thankful for that every day. I had side note on that what you just said I had a moment today where because of what's going on in our beautiful country I was writing a letter to a congressman and I had my iTunes on random and like while I'm writing this angry letter about women's rights, I'm listening to that song. I'll beat that bitch with the bat. <laughs> I'm just like, yep, I'm doing both things at the same time and I don't care. I love this song. <laughs> Who's that? There's so many versions of that song. I've been cleaning out my iTunes, so that I don't know which one it was a more housey. I don't know who did the original one, but that's what I was listening to. Yeah, one thing that really struck me about the Women's March that happened last weekend was how funny the signs were and how, I mean, obviously some people are not, but a lot of people are um, upset and protesting. And there's like, on one hand, there's a, a very oppressive mood because of what's going on in our country and the policies. But on the other hand, a lot of people are joking about it and being funny and kind of approaching this with like, yeah, this is terrible, but also, like, we can, like, make light of this. Yeah. And, uh, I and think that's important, like, to keep a sense of humor. It's the same thing. I think about that a lot with, like, everyone's like, oh, like, you're a female DJ. What have been your hardships? Blah, blah, blah. That's probably the question that we've both been, like, asked most in interviews. If you're in listening, our, don't ever ask anybody in our that ever whole again. life. <laughs> <laughs> like, the question nobody wants to answer. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is, like, for every awful you know sound guy that thinks you don't know anything or every stupid thing some dude says to you in a club there's like someone else that's like great and helps you out like you said I mean we wouldn't yeah we probably wouldn't have learned to DJ if it w wasn't for guys so um because I really if you think there's not that many women DJs now there really wasn't when we started um so like and like I think I, you gotta approach that with humor you can't get super mad every time like someone you know says yeah. the wrong thing to you you just can't hold on to like being mad all the time you gotta just kind of like make fun of them and move it along I find that making fun of them is more effective because getting laughed at is way worse than getting yelled at yeah <laughs> I have another pro tip that I've been giving all my girlfriends because it seems to be like breakup season <laughs> here on the east coast I don't know um it really helps if you give your ex or whoever like a really funny derogatory nickname and you don't ever mention their name again, but you just call them like <laughs> troll dick or like <laughs> troll roast, roast beef or like yeah butt face or wh whatever like you personally think is funny and like probably the more ridiculous, the better. Um, but that's like always been your thing. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just like being like... I don't know making fun of somebody or making fun of a situation is just like after a certain point you can't be like angry and serious forever no I agree and like, humor like helps you get over things you know that's how it started so uh that's shout out to started. troll dick and evil being I need to know who troll dick is but we'll talk about that <laughs> off off the radio 
<laughs> Shout out to DJ Troll Dick. If you, I'm sure there's a DJ Troll Dick if you just Google it. That's another game we play is um, guess the DJ name, and it's always it always exists. My favorite one that I found is Alien Gonzalez. Oh wow, drum and bass DJ. <laughs> That's so of the time, though. Like in a few years, no one will know who Alien Gonzalez is. Yeah, so, like, Alien Gonzalez won't. Yeah, I wonder how It'll old he is. It'll cease to like, be a pun, really. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, there has to be one. What was the other one that I looked up? We, I get promos from like... I'm so glad I stopped getting promos from that record label called Hello Shitty. <laughs> wow. Another pro tip is just do not ever put anything about shit or <laughs> how you suck or how you smell in or something DJ like that name. in your DJ name because... No, a lot of people don't start DJing with the ambition of playing out. They just want to play in their bedroom or it's a joke. But like if you do it for long enough that you're going to have to play out and like you really don't want to start becoming known (laughs) with a DJ name like Troll Dick, for instance. <laughs> I'm trying to. You're also, I... you're just never gonna live it down. I used to know a guy in San Francisco whose name was DJ Poop. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> like, and you just—I don't know—you're never gonna recover from that. Every time I get a good SoundCloud follower, I send it to Vivian or vice versa. So if you're listening <laughs> out there, we're and, laughing at you, <laughs> and you, um, you come across any like really wonderful, terrible DJ names, feel free to tweet at us. Yeah, please tell us the worst DJ name that you've ever heard. I'm trying to think of the absolute... There was like a turntablist DJ named DJ Terrorist. <laughs> Do you remember that? And yeah. I was like, this is not... <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, anything poop-related just trumps <laughs> terrorist. Uh, poop-related. I mean... It's kind of like, it kind of sucks for, um, what's that Bailey Funk guy's name? Oh, Bin Laden? Bin Laden. Yeah. yeah. So MC Bin Laden like can't get into this country because his name is MC Bin Laden. I mean, if your name is MC Bin Laden, you're probably going to, there might be a red flag there. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you have to say your DJ name at these times, they're probably going to be like, tell us more about yourself. Yeah. Even an, if an arts organization wants to book you, that's still not going to be good enough. Yeah. I think he's tried to get here a couple times, right? Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Because he's sick. And I would have loved to see that. But I also completely understand why. That's another thing. Shout out to DJ Bin Laden, though. Change. I feel like he's like the only Bailey Funk MC that people are like really grasping here. Although how come nobody ever talks about that? I can't remember the name of the song, but that song where they're always like yelling about the Taliban. Which song? There's like a couple rap songs where there's like Taliban is like used as some like slogan. I don't remember. Not Rubber Band Man even. That's one of <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll air. have to look it up. Hey, DJing. Got DJing. any more questions about DJing? Um, what else am I going to ask you? I asked you about Saloom. I like feel like I talk to you every five minutes, but there's things that people need to know about you. That um, Another thing that we were talking about when you said everything was moving really fast with dance music, I feel like you were also working in media at the time. And like that kind of gives you this like other view of how fast shit actually moves. And that probably like 
didn't really help with your brain with trouble and bass when you see like the back end of things and like how people write about things and how quickly things move. And I feel like now that you're not doing that as much, it's probably nice to do this like as a hobby thing. Well, I've I've actually been writing about music and DJing for almost the same amount of time. I've basically been doing both of those things since I was 15. So like over 20 years. And um, it's always been like a blessing and a curse because I mean, the reason that I started writing about dance music was because actually like not the reason I started, but the reason that I ever was published is because they needed people to write drum and bass reviews. And there weren't very many people in the U.S. that were buying drum and bass records, much less people who could write a review and turn it in on time. And so like by default, I became the drum and bass reviewer for Massive, which was a zine out of the Midwest. And then I worked at Herb Magazine. And then at one point I was doing the drum and bass section in Herb and Accelerator at the same time. Like I was the editor of the drum and bass (laughs) sections of both magazines at the same time, Um, which probably violates some rule of journalistic integrity, but YOLO. Um, (laughs) And just to give you an idea of how few like qualified electronic music writers there were at one point in time um so yeah it's kind of like was my, drum and bass was like my weird back door into like actually being published as a music journalist and then so I've always like known about how the journalistic side works and how that game works and how people sort of pick which artists to feature and what works and what doesn't and then I've always also been on the DJ side and like, I think more more so it's helped me, but sometimes it's definitely, like, been a head fuck. Yeah, for sure. you're definitely overthinking things way too much. You get kind of, like, caught by, like, well, this is what I want to do, but this is, like, what's actually going to make this viable. And, like, these are the formulas. And, you know, like, every artist has to think about those things. But I think being on both sides is kind of weird. And then I also think like, you know, certain people wouldn't write about me because I was attached to one magazine or another. But, um, you know, by and large, it's helped me meet a lot of people. And it's made my life really fun and interesting. What's the craziest on location reporting? (laughs) I know that you've done like, traveled to do several things or like, What's the craziest one-on-one, or maybe more than one, like one or two things that you were in that you had to go there and like hang with the person all day? Um, I had a couple crazy ones when I was young, just because yeah. like, you know, when you're young and you're finally getting to meet like people that whose music you really like and it's like the first time. So I had a lot of ones that in retrospect now, maybe they don't seem that crazy, but like at the time when I was... 18 years old or 17 years old like I um, I had to do an interview with Groove Rider and it was like this tour that was going around the US and he, him and Fabio were on it and like all these other like electronic music acts and I had to like go on his tour bus like just open the door and find Groove Rider on the tour bus and he was being so mean to me he was such a dick and he was wearing this like no shirt and this like backless this like backless leather vest that like <laughs> laced up and he just he looked like literally like he was going to like 
the eagle, like a gay like <laughs> leather bar. And he was really big and mean and wouldn't let me interview him and was just treating me like I didn't know anything. So I was kind of sitting outside like, what do I do? Because I have this assignment for this magazine. And I took everything super seriously when I was younger. I mean, maybe I still do, but definitely when I was younger, I was just trying to like, you know, do the best job. You wanted job to I nail could. the Groove Rider yeah. interview. Which so I'm is like... sitting outside. I'm just like, what do I do? Well, I guess that's not happening. And then Moby came up to me and he was like, <laughs> I just sat there talking to Moby for like 30 minutes. And he was like, well, you can interview me if you want. Like, because I was like, he was like, why are you sitting here? And so, like, you know, and then years later, Moby DJed on an iPod at my house party <laughs> and went and bought us all beer. I mean, Moby's like this recurrent figure. It just in keeps my coming life. back. Moby's a recurrent figure, and Newman from Seinfeld <laughs> is like a recurrent figure in my life. I Wait, would... let's talk about the internship, the Newman internship. And <laughs> right. So I wasn't, I, being from LA, I was an intern at NBC when I was like after my first year of college. So I was like 18 and I worked on the Burbank lot at NBC and I worked for the website and that was like kind of a new thing at the time. I actually designed the um, the Saved by the Bell second generation website. <laughs> it's probably not up anymore because it's probably really basic HTML, but uh, they let me figure out what would be cool on the teen website. And um, I also worked on the Friends website, and we had a chat with the NBC stars, which was like, that was totally new at the time to have like, like a iMessage, like AOL type chat. Yeah. But a lot of the NBC stars don't type because they're actors and they <laughs> didn't ever how to learn how to type real fast. <laughs> so I was the typist. You know, all the people on the web team were the typists for the NBC stars. So I typed for Thandie Newton and... Um, and Juliette Lewis, and I don't know what she was doing there, but uh, and Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> and then after that, um, who was like, just like he is on the show, he was the exact same person. Uh, and after that, I would just like randomly see Newman like every couple years, like he was my spirit animal. Like other people like see a coyote, you know, wandering past, and I see Newman. I know. And Moby. What does Newman, that say? Newman Those are kind of like the two sides of my <laughs> essence. But right? you never see Newman here. You usually only see him in LA, but you always see him. I have seen him everywhere. <laughs> literally. <laughs> like it's not just an LA have thing. Have you ever said hello, Newman? No. Can no. you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not anymore. I have a dog named Newman. I had a dog named Newman, just so you guys know. R.I.P. Newman. R.I.P. Newman. Um, we wanted to originally name the dog Elaine, but then found out it was a dude, so we named it Newman. <laughs> but Newman's very special to me in, in the Seinfeld show, so the fact that he's your spirit guide and you see him everywhere, I'm really jealous. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> some other stories. Um, I went to do a big story on fabric once, and it was a True Players cover with DJ Hype and DJ Zinc, and um, and the True Players label, and had to sit on this like long conference table like a movie and I was across from DJ Hype but he was flanked with these two guys that looked like bouncers and one of them was Remark who did this really famous jungle tune called R.I.P. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember who the other guy was but they were like giant and it was just like uh, I felt like 
hype had planned it like we were in Scarface or some like, gangster <laughs> movie. Uh, you know, it was pretty funny me doing all these drum and bass interviews because, uh, well, a jungle, I should say, not even drum and bass. But a lot of those guys, you know, like they like came from pretty rough backgrounds and they're like British and they're way older than me. And it was all dudes. And it was like kind of funny that. You know, I was like 17, 18 from California, of all places, like writing about and interviewing most of the people in drum and bass. But um, it was good training because after that, everybody seemed really nice. And what else? I had another funny one. I've had a lot of funny ones. I mean, interviewing is cool because people tell you like really personal stuff and then you can't really publish it but you're like whoa yeah (laughs) or you see some like you see shit go down and you're like oh this is yeah what's going on here and have you gone to anything recently that has kind of brought you back to that stuff you think brought me back to i mean is there is there any party in new york or maybe with what you've been doing traveling that has like brought you back to that like excited feeling of like German bass world or hmm. think about that. I will tell you one more thing is that I was the first person to ever do a story um, like not to ever do a story on Berghain maybe, but like the first person to ever have the founders of Berghain let me interview them. I was going to ask you that, but I wasn't sure and if then you were allowed to talk about it. Um, took me on a tour of the club, including the gay club in the basement, which is called The Lab. And they were like, yeah, this is where everybody pisses and shits on each other. And like, this is this. <laughs> and I don't know. Did so, they let you write about that at the time? Yeah, they they were going to let me write about whatever I wanted. But it was a big deal back then that they would do any interviews because they had never um, let anybody, any journalists, interview them before. And, I mean, they probably have sense, but they're still very, like, reticent. Like, right. You, that's why everybody interviews the bouncer or something because, yeah. like, the club owners don't let you interview don't them. Blame so. them. I mean, I don't know. The amount we always joke about how people are always trying to tell us about like what Bergheim's like. And I'm like, yo. I I'm love good. when people talk to me <laughs> about Bergheim. I know Bergheim. exactly what it's like, but thanks. The funny thing about Bergheim, and I've talked to you about this before, is like, I didn't even know it was possible to get rejected from that club until like recently. But it's because of the kind of people that are trying to go there now. And like before, it was just like what a club should be. Or it was just like this kind of grimy club after hours. And you're, yeah, you're supposed to look like you've been clubbing all night. And now that it's like, oh, you can get rejected. But it's like, no, you just don't belong there. And you're like going to look at a show and they know it and they don't want you in there. Well, it used to be that you were rejected if you were just like a dumb, drunk bro that like wanted to go in the club. But now I feel like it's a little bit different. And it's like you're being judged on like do you look like you've been up all night and do you look like you're on drugs? And, like, if you are, then you can get in. And, like, if you look too, like... If you're a girl in, like, a mini dress with all her friends, like, no, they're not. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny. Like, I seriously, I'd been there, like, four times before I heard you actually get rejected from there. And then I was like, that's a thing? So weird. Yeah. I mean, I feel lucky that I saw that before yeah berlin blew up back when techno remember when techno wasn't cool yes i mean i can (laughs) still tell you i don't think it's cool but 
Um, <laughs> to ask me about parties that make me feel like the old days. Um, let's see. Not too many, to be honest. Um, or I just have like club Alzheimer's also, and it's hard for me to remember things because I go to so many parties and talk to so many people. But I think some of my parties have made me feel like the like the vibe that I wanted to feel from the old days, which is like why I keep throwing parties in the first place. It's like I don't throw parties for my health or or like. F- for popularity it's or never for, fun. Any, for any other reason other than that there is a feeling that I'm after and there's a sound that I'm after that I don't think is represented in New York City and like I like being able to curate the lineups like I want to do them I still feel like like lineups aren't diverse enough and they're not you know like I feel like there's music that goes together but somehow those DJs never play in the same party because one's from one scene and one's from another scene and like that's what I like is to kind of like mix up the scenes and like you know when you would go to a rave in the 90s all the music would be in the same room so it wasn't like all four different rooms it wasn't like the jungle like after a while it was but in the beginning it wasn't like the jungle room the house room Mm -hmm. whatever it was like everything was in one room and you had to just stay there you paid your money and you stayed there and you like might have to sit through like an hour of deep house that you didn't like to get to the DJ you liked but sometimes you would hear something you know special and you were like oh wait maybe this music isn't that bad so not that I want to make people like sit through anything but I think parties are are getting a little bit too niche and I like I like the idea that people kind of have to be exposed to like something they weren't expecting but that they might actually like which is how I discovered tons of people when I was younger I you know was waiting for my my person to go on and the lineup was posted on the wall and the person before them or after them that I stayed for like killed it for me so I feel like that's really important for everything right now especially you can like figure whatever you out want out on the internet but if you go out you never know who you're gonna love uh you also do you have chaos clan but chaos clan also is a party that is correct. In New York. And I happen to miss every single one of them. <laughs> Literally, I have not been in town for one. And it's been like a year. And all the lineups are so good. It's Your last one, was it Sunnyvale? Mm, last one. No, last one was a warehouse party at the Tsunami Base Warehouse right. with Lofa. Yeah. I'm so mad I missed that. And... Uh, that had a really great vibe and and it was like this magic thing where all the DJ sets flowed into one another and it, it somehow felt like everybody was playing just for me, um, which they weren't at all, but it was just exactly the kind of music I like and it sort of made all the hard work and stress. I mean, that was a illegal warehouse party and... So the, and at the last minute they decided that they couldn't sell alcohol. So it just was like this and it was pouring rain and this and that. And I don't know. You know what? Throwing parties is expensive and time consuming. So I would like to personally thank all the promoters that go out of their way in New York City to throw all the great parties because it is really the most time consuming thing that I do in my whole life between my day job my dj career the label and everything else the party is like stress is just the most stressful and the most time consuming so 
Respect your local promoter and don't text them at 11 p.m. on the night of the party trying to get in for free. That's not nice. It's not nice. We at hate least when you do that. <laughs> te- at least text them at 5 p.m. Asking, not telling. Yeah. <laughs> Asking more, nicely. More pro tips. Pro tips from DJ Star Eyes, who is now going to play us some music. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. You're the best. Love you, too. Thanks for having me on the show. And I'm going to start off this set with a new one from me that's not out yet. I think that this might come out on um, a compilation from Cybersonic, which is a party in L.A. thrown by Suelta and Shasha Kimbo. If it doesn't, then I'll put it out. Um, But either way, this is forthcoming from me, and it's called Make Me. I'm DJ Star Eyes. I love Jubilee. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Here's my mix. Let's do it.
tough like denim Anybody want this, yeah, come send them White just and them, and rock them and bend them Pad and pen them, flick them, stick them And I ain't in them If they really want it when I want it When it comes to the stage, old thing out here, man, I kill them
gun, them no know it like we. Cause we a road boy in a the country, yeah, you know. All my tabo gun, them no know it like we. Cause we a road boy in a the country, yeah, you know. All my tabo gun, them no know it like we. Cause we a road boy in a the country, yeah, you know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.